I always think breathing and, and understanding that when you, your cortisol is high and you're, you're redlining, breathing is free therapy. You can slow yourself down. You can, you know, get your parasympathetic into play to calm you down. I, I track a lot with the Garmin, you know, my sleep, get your good eight hours, look at your deep sleep, your, your REM. Sleep is so important to everything, including mental acuity. Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, founders. Good to have you today. What's happening? What's going on? Bob, how is coaching? Catch us up on the team. Uh, had a... Uh... I had a game last night that we should have won by a lot. We won by a little. Okay. Uh, we uh, we need to close better. <laughs> we need okay. we need we need you know we play seven minute quarters. It's a twenty eight minute game. Um, we played about twenty two minutes of that game, and let a team back in that uh, should not have been let back in the game. Uh-huh. So. Um, you know, it was interesting because we recorded with uh, John Loomer yesterday, who's a coach. And, you know, there's there's a lot of analogies between sports and life. And, you know, one of the things that you really want to do with anything is finish well. And, uh, you know, our guest today uh, just sold a company about a year and a half ago. And, you know, he kind of finished that well. And uh, it just it just kind of reminded me of that, that, you know, we got to play through the whole thing. You know, mm. it's it's not enough to play the game to the point where you reach 75 percent and then to take your foot off the gas. You know, we're, we're kind of against the hustle and grind mentality, yeah. Yeah. but also we, we can't let our foot off the gas when 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 we're competing. Sure. There, there's well, a I place think- for that, isn't there? Yeah, I, I I would agree with you. I think, you know, I I think a lot of what we've seen and heard is the hustle and grind mentality has been the hammer that has treated everything like a nail. And I think we're moving out of that too. Of course, there's got to be hustle and grind aspect, but it's not the only thing. It's not yeah. do all end all. It's not the only tool we apply to life, business, whatever. Um so yeah. yeah, I think I think the danger comes in when you are constantly in hustle and grind mode. It's kind of yeah. like redlining a redlining an engine, right? Yeah, you know, running in second gear versus you know fourth gear. Um, eventually, you're going to wear the engine out, and I think that's that's some of the wisdom here. And um, you know, David Gottfried, who's on the show today, um, had that moment right where yeah. He, yeah. he's a pioneer in the green industry which is fantastic. And, you know, the humility is, is palatable, (laughs) but the dude started multiple organizations that are now leading uh, the, the, the green movement and and green construction in the industry. But he had a personal crisis where he basically redlined his own engine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he took the principles he was using to, you know, to his own, you know, making advancements in the green movement and kind of took inventory of himself and say, whoa, wait a minute. I need to apply these principles to my own body, to my own psyche. And um, quite an interesting conversation. And and what I, I like about David, you know, he he's documenting his experience. You know, he's mm-hmm. written several books and, uh, and, and continues to. But uh, it's kind of, he struck me as someone who is who's going down a, a path that not necessarily is he's not necessarily necessarily trailblazing and you know but it's not a well-worn path and he's simply documenting for people and, and narrating and, and i love that, that well, he he's a he's a true that. engineer and he married yeah. a he married a physician so they're all about data and they're yeah. all about process right yeah 
So yeah, I think we can benefit from some of that and uh, be sure, you know, we'll, we'll tell you about some of the resources later on on the show, but um, uh, David is a, a wise man. He's a humble man. You could tell he's been around the block in the best way possible. And I think you're going to enjoy the conversation today. So here's, here's our guest today, David Gottfried. And welcome innovative founders to the podcast. Love having you, David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here with you guys. Look forward to the conversation. Calling in today from uh, not sunny, but rainy Bay Area, correct? Yeah, very rainy. There's a lot <laughs> going on there. There's I see flooding and, and all. Is that is that in your area? Is that what's going on out there? No, not flooding here, but just tons of rain and some hail and uh, Oof. a lot of deep uh, climate change. Wow. So you're going to escape that to go to a much safer climate, Seattle. <laughs> go to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, not 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 too brilliant, you know. It's all good. Brand Brand will be on his way to Cabo while you're flying to Seattle. So yeah, that's that that's how that goes. Yeah. Well, good. Who, who's the smarter man? <laughs> who's escaping we, where? We could argue that. So, well, Dave, it's good to know you. David uh, and Brandon are both in a group called Baby Bathwater together. That's uh, how we got connected. Um, that might come up in the show a little bit. But before we kind of jump into conversation, David, just love to hear what's what are you excited about right now? Personal life, business life? What, what's got you turned on here early in 2023? Well, I, I accepted a, a real new job about five months ago. So uh, uh, I haven't worked for anyone in pretty much for 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. How's that feel? Uh, it's, 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 it's mostly great, but usually, you know, like you guys on the boss, I uh, have to, uh, you know, write the checks, raise the money, run the company. Okay. Um, so it's, I thought I, I had sold our last company about 18 months ago. Uh, and the next day I didn't really have anything to do. And, uh, I, I'm not that great at golf and, uh, I cycle a lot, but my legs hurt and I need a day off after a good ride. So I thought, is it possible I could actually work for somebody? And do I (laughs) always have to start the company to have a job, you know? And, uh, so I'm given a, a, a good try, but you can't always start something that could be huge because uh, it depends on resources, effort, and time. And this thing is a manufacturing company I could never do on my own, but it's a big, it's trying to hit climate change kind of front and center. And uh, so I'm pretty excited about that and its potential to make uh, carbon negative concrete. And wow. Concrete's about 8% of, uh, the cement and concrete's about 8% of global emissions. And this company called Blue Planet actually taps into a a flu stack in a plant, like a power plant. And we take their flu gas, take the CO2 and mineralize it into a synthetic limestone, like a coral reef. And then we make a rock that goes into concrete to, for the first time to have carbon neutral, carbon negative concrete. Wow. So that's kind of cool and I'm hopeful and I'm working with smart PhD types and we have a plant so I get to wear boots, steel toed tip boots. And nice. The hat, the, the lab coat perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I got a new photo that looks kind of neat. Um, and uh, so I'm excited about that to maybe uh, in a big way, help contribute uh, in towards embodied carbon. We call it, um, you know, the things we make. How do you lower the carbon? And um, I've been in the building industry for I don't know, thirty-five years, and concrete's always been a problem, especially with CO two. Mm. So this has been a theme. We were just kind of looking at some of the show notes. So this. I really like kind of the the theme of your life has been around becoming green and, and not just being an advocate for green um, and earth friendly products and services, but also it sounds like you came uh, to a point in your own life where you had to apply these principles to healing the earth, saving the earth to yourself. So I'm excited about our conversation today. There's a lot to save. <laughs> <laughs> you know. 
It's well, hard, hard to save the planet if you haven't worked on yourself. You, know? <laughs> you want to bring a whole self if possible. Yeah. Well, well let's get into that. Yeah, talk, let's talk about that a little bit. So, I mean, people... I mean, climate change certainly is a topic of conversation today, but it, I mean, having kind of a career in this, so kind of take us back to its origins. How did, how did it start and, and where did you, where did you get, where did you kick this off? Sure. Um, I guess it really started one, well, I'm, I'm getting older, I guess I remember the seventies energy crisis and mm. I lived in LA. There's also a water crisis and, I remember the long lines to get fuel, and and then I became a, a young en, a student at, at Stanford, an engineer. And engineers hate waste; waste drives them nuts. And, <laughs> um, and I got lucky. I, I I took this civil engineering class with a kind of hippie PhD professor, Gil Masters, and. He used to park his VW van in the parking lot and sleep. Yes. And, I love it. Uh, the dude was just incredible. And he touched thousands of us. And he taught a course in solar uh, engineering. And um, I don't want to date myself, but this was many decades ago. <laughs> Go um, ahead. It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but, um, and he taught us about, the, hey, did you know we have a son? <laughs> did you know that you know it can power the whole world and um you know and, and and other important things beyond solar and energy but you know things like passive solar design like you can have a lot of thermal mass in the south side of your home and in the winter the sun is lower and it could heat up your you know, tiles or your concrete floor. And at night when you need the heat, it could radiate out. Or we had a thing called a trome wall. On that south wall, you could put water in the wall, either through tubes or or even big jugs. And uh, water is such a great absorber of heat and cold. And, and, and then you could circulate air across it. And so we had a project uh, to design our home and you had to do it on on paper in those days and build a little uh, balsa wood uh, model and i designed a net zero home in about 1980 so wow, wow. here we are and you know what, what is that uh, 43 years later net zeros in um we'll talk about work. being on the cusp of innovation david yeah. my goodness yeah, and we have vegetated roofs for insulation and growing plants, and I had one of those, and um, I had a solar jacuzzi on the roof, and nice, you know, crazy things, a basketball court inside that was heated by the trum wall. Um, but all for that. <laughs> so he woke he woke me up, and um, I still. Uh, I'm in touch with him. And I went back and lectured to the same damn class for like 15 wow. years. And, and he would still show me the models the kids were making. And some students were from India or China. And they would take solar panels home from, they go home for Thanksgiving and bring back like a solar hot water heater to the lab at Stanford to be tested. Oh, um, wow. So, so that fun. got me going, you know, but also at the time we had Paul Ehrlich, one of the early uh, professors on population growth and the, that the carrying capacity of earth already then couldn't sustain all the billions of people here. And so he kind of taught us uh, another woman we read, Danielle Meadows and Amory Lovins, who I'm still in touch with wrote a book called uh, Soft Energy Pass, and he's at Rocky Mountain Institute. He invented the megawatt idea that a watt conserved of energy is the same as a watt generated, mm. and that created ener the energy efficiency movement. Wow. Um, so it, it got me going um, very much even through this day, and the engineering came in handy because many of the things I got involved with, it was good. I could talk to 
mechanical and electrical engineers and, and, and not be intimidated. Hey founders, if you're enjoying this conversation with David, if you're interested in all things green and especially how it relates to your personal health and personal success, um, there's resources available at regen360.net. And if you want to look up the latest book from David on Amazon, it's called Explosion Green. It's his memoir. And there's a couple other books that he's written as well. So regen360.net to learn more about David and the things that he's been working on. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd. So at what point did you launch a company uh, related to this? Was that, did you did you take the job route out of college or did you like tell us how you kind of got into running things for yourself? Sure. Well, job one, uh, I went to Washington, D.C., and work with some relatives who had a development and a construction company. And that was great because I learned the vocabulary, the, the language, how to read contracts, how to uh, walk a construction job, how to manage a construction project, how to bid uh, on the development side, what is development, how do you buy land and rezone it, how do you design buildings, hiring architects and engineers. How do you lease space? How do you sell buildings? So it, it was great for a hungry young kid to learn. Um, in the middle of those 10 years, I, ha I, I had a two-year stint with my first business, uh, a little development company. I wanted to try it on my own. So I bought a 40,000 square foot old office building in Northern Virginia and brought in investors and started a little property management company. And then the market, my timing was bad. The market got creamed out there in 91, 9091. And so I went back to working with them, the relatives, which is still great because that's when I learned the construction side. And towards the end of that, um, I also tripped into something by luck, the American Institute of Architects, AIA, headquarters is in DC. And in 91, they started this little group called COAT, uh, Committee of the Environment. And I started to go as a non-architect just to see what was that. But you could connect the dots. This dude, David, learned solar. He loved all that stuff. And here's a Committee of the Environment starting. Of course, he would be curious, want to know. So um, they were the very early stages of what is green building and mm. um, what constitutes it, how do you calculate one, how do you do a life cycle assessment on products, and they had a grant from the government. And that led me going to the AIA convention. Uh, they have these monster conventions taking over cities and, and then going to lectures on daylighting, efficiency, uh, lighting efficiency, lighting sensors, um, building products. And it just, even today, I, that, that um, curiosity it, it ignited, uh, I still have. Um, uh, I, but you... I, I ended up leaving and starting a nonprofit. So that was kind of my first uh, big, big startup out of that. Uh, we can go deeper into that if you want. Well, I was curious about, so uh, out of that class in the 80s, was the 80s, right, where you you designed this building, can you just give us a summary, like what is, from that period till now, now that becoming green, is, you've got a lot more awareness, um, you know, with, you know, climate change, and there's, you know, conversations about population, population control, what were some of the biggest initiatives that came out of that that we're seeing really come to fruition more now other than solar i know solar has been that's been in my limited view has been really prominent but we talk in building materials as well uh i've seen things i've seen plastics getting put into you know used in building now recycling all the world's you know these these horrible plastic problem we have and the phthalates now that's being put into um 
manufactured homes, you know, homes that can be put up in 14 hours. Um, what, what were you just saying? What were some of the, the big things that came out of that for you in your observation and experience? The whole world has changed since then. There's been a green revolution. Yeah. Uh, and certainly a green building revolution, one of the biggest sectors of any sector to trans transform um, many areas. So if you stay in energy, uh, certainly solar's maybe the biggest story. The cost came down, you know, from 30 bucks a watt to a you know a dollar a watt. So it came mm. down hugely its contribution to the grid and uh, also just astronomical its potential wind as well and not just solar photovoltaics that generate electricity but also as an engineer I still love solar hot water um, but what what I went on to work on in the nonprofits I founded the U.S. Green Building Council and then the World Green Building Council wow we have 70 countries of green building councils now and under USGBC, we invented LEED, the LEED Green Building Rating System. Those plaques you see on the buildings, the LEED Silver, Gold, and Platinum, um, became the biggest in the world. And oh, wow. <laughs> LEED is about, I, I, the numbers are so big, I can't always get them right, but it's like 20 billion square feet of buildings. 200,000 certified LEED buildings, um, you know, 250,000 LEED accredited professionals. LEED is in 170 countries. Huh. And some of them are like Salesforce Tower in San Francisco, a million square feet, Cal EPA, a million square feet. I just read the other day in South Korea, a whole city, um, Songdo City has 22 lead buildings like you know 116,000 people live there and it, it, it's like 20 million square feet and um, and you and you started this david i started the us green building council inspired by gil masters uh england wow. had england had the first rating system called bream and i studied it in 91 and we decided to do one in the US and it became LEED. I wrote the white paper on the need for a US rating system. And I funded USGBC in the beginning and ran it and was the first CEO, uh, stayed on the board 15 years. That scaled to 400 staff, you know, a hundred million dollar budget. Wow. Became nice. the fastest growing green organization NGO in the world. Um, there's a Harvard Business School case study on it. And then Japan was bugging me like, hey, we want one of these. Um, so in 98, I went to Tokyo, gave a speech to welcome the Japan Green Building Council. And I was a younger kid and I got goosebumps. I thought, well, I got Japan and the US. It's going to go global. <laughs> I here, hereby announcing the formation of the World Green Building Council. And I, I actually started that. And now that has 70 countries and is headquartered in um, the UK. And if you look at their advisory board, it's got you know Siemens and Google and just United Technologies. And yeah, this became a trillion dollar uh, green building industry. And you were at the forefront of it. And then I gave it all away. So I don't own any stock. Um, I get a lot of hugs out of it, you know. <laughs> and, like Will, Will uh, Ferrell, yeah, like Alf. We're gonna we're gonna pay you in hugs. Yeah, yeah. But you have a lot of entrepreneurs. So here I'm a real estate developer, young kid making some money, thinking he's great. You know, he buys his fancy Versace suit in those days and his BMW. And I decide to quit to start a, a nonprofit. I, I drive home, I come home from DC to LA because I left DC and my dad says, son, what are you going to do now that you, you stopped uh, real estate development? I said, I must start a nonprofit, dad. <laughs> this, is, this is LA. He was a management consultant, you know, very successful. He sold his company to PwC. 
And he said, well, what is that going to do? I said, we're going to define green building and uh, make energy and water and efficient, healthy buildings. He said, son, that sounds like a good gimmick, but don't come home when you're starving. <laughs> I love my good. dad. But then like fast forward, I don't know, 10, 15 years later, the city of LA where they live adopts lead for the entire you know, city. And he sends me the article and he says, I don't see your name in the article, yeah. son. <laughs> and we had a green build conference that got so big that we would take over the whole convention center of cities. So I finally invited him and my mom to Arizona, green build Arizona. And there's like 25,000 greenies there. Greenies. greenies. Al, Al Gore is given the keynote and sure. And we're sitting there and he goes like this to me. He says, son, you always said you were going to change the world. I'm so proud of you. Oh, finally validation. That's awesome. That's so great. We got to honor dad a tiny bit more. Dad, dad passed, dad passed away, but this is his paper clip. Effort with results. Love that. Do not confuse efforts with results. And on the side, Godfrey consultants, his management consulting, but that's great. Love it. You know, and I owe it to him because Earth needs results. It doesn't care about the effort, you know, and climate change is a big mess. We need a lot of results fast. Ugh. Can you talk about your personal journey and going green? You know, it's it's you know, you had this experience growing up. There was there was energy shortage that was up close and personal for you. You that clearly motivated you and inspired you to, to build these companies. There was also in your story about your immune system getting affected, about your per, you as a person getting affected by not treating yourself as you wanted to have the earth treated. Could you talk about that journey a little bit? Oh, someone read my book, one of my books. <laughs> <laughs> or you talked to my wife. Um, yeah, you know, uh, my second book was called Greening My Life. Yeah. And here I am in in the year 2000, I remember, I was in Spain trying to create a green building council in Spain. I was writing that first book, the first book. Well, actually, this is in my second book called Green My Life. I invented a rating system for green life. Hmm. But I was reflecting on the first book called Greed to Green. And in, in here I am trying to create green building councils and green, you know, the, the, the world building industry. And I had like my fifth flu as I'm pounding away on this green building book. Yeah. My eyes were bulging. I remember looking in the mirror, I looked like shit. And my immune system was just trash. Not, not just from the travel, but all the caffeine to, so I could go, go, go. This ego that was relentless to create, 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 and just trashing my body. And, mm. What about sleep? What about, you know, uh, food is medicine? What about, I was single and lonely, you know, what about a partner? And hmm. what about doing the work on yourself, not just your business? Um, and I hadn't really learned those lessons that change comes from within. <laughs> and, and that health is part of green, you know, not just in a healthy building, but who's in the buildings? So I felt like a fraud, like, dude, I can create a net zero building, but uh, I'm toxic. <laughs> wow. And so, of course, like lead, I created lead life, you know, in short, David, get a life. And as an engineer, it was a 10 category, 100 point rating system. And when I finished it, I scored myself and I was a 53. <laughs> okay. And what's what's good? What was what 100 was, is 100 you know, the button. platinum is over 80 and, okay you know certified was like 65 points so i was okay. certifiable uh and so and the categories were some obvious some personal but uh, you know of course health was one yeah and what are the subcategories in health you know it could be your stress level your bmi your um you know, your diet, your 
mental acuity ability. Um, it had a relationship category, you know, not just partnering, but family and friends. And I always thought community is part of that. And um, it had, uh, you know, a category on uh, change. Are you helping change the world? Because that was important to me. And how do you change the world? Is it, you know, through community involvement or your writer or your work? You know, all, all these types of things were, were very important. I, I, I used it on a third date with the woman I married. <laughs> as a, as a way to screen a... them or as just kind of as a conversational thing? Well, we had a little too much wine on, at a lunch at Chez Panisse. <laughs> and then we went back to her place and I had told her about this and we put we pulled out the laptop and, and she rated like 83 points. Oh, nice. Nice, <laughs> nice. And she thought it was cool. So it was a good screen. Okay. <laughs> Certainly got a taste of who David was at that point. But she was better than me. And, you know, it's on her sixth book now. And she helped me on the health side. I married a physician scientist. And, uh, you know, even today, she's sending me chapters from her sixth book she's writing to, to review and edit. And so as she progressed, I would learn about things like food as medicine and stress and the importance of, you know, the leafy greens, the dark ones. And, you know, she had me wearing a, a glucose monitor to measure my blood sugar. And I did keto for a year and we have a sauna upstairs, you know, all that stuff is part of green um, and pulling it together. It's really all just about health. So climate change is earth hurting, you know, leaky gut is David's gut hurting, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. all just health of the planet, health of the people and health of all living and unliving. You know, if, if the soil turns to dirt, that's, that's not healthy. So sure. it's all just one big thing together. How has that been received by, I assume you, you pushed that out or, or to your, to your colleagues in the, in the green space and, and did they, how was it received by them? Did they, did what kind of stories did you hear? You know, at first that they were like me, like they still have these conferences and they kill you. There's like, they start at seven. Yeah. They never, they never end. Yeah. There's 13 tracks and you run around like an idiot, um, <laughs> you know, but we did have one conference where maybe they heard us. It was in big sky, Montana. Okay. And at lunch, they gave you a box lunch and you could go hiking with Ray Anderson, who's the guru green CEO of interface carpet or you could go fly fishing with me, David, you know, or golfing with Mike. And so many people who hiked with Ray, Ray passed, but he became the first green CEO. And they don't remember the lectures. They remember hiking with Ray. Yeah. Uh, and these events, and Bailey Bathwater does it well, certainly. Uh, yeah. Br uh, is going to Cabo. In Cabo, they put the the patio furniture on the sand at the beach. And, and some people are there the three days and never move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's a great format and a lot of, you know, and even in the green building movement, I'm proud of leading all these things. Um, uh, but I, I'm most proud of the people I met and the relationships I made and the brothers and sisters who cared and you know you'd share your idea hey i want to change the world and they they wouldn't think you're an idiot their eyes would sparkle and if someone had that sparkle they were in they were in my group you know? yeah yeah and even today like yesterday i talked to someone i've known almost 30 years he was our general counsel he became the general counsel in like four or five things i started and mm. like the USGBC, the world one, I had another venture called Regenerative Network. He came to every meeting. It's not about me. It's just sharing and 
you know, we went to things together on storytelling because we both wanted to learn storytelling. And, um, you know, you make friends like that. They're life friends. Uh, and, and that's what we did in Green Buildings. About really, it was a movement of people who wanted their work to mean more than just making money. Yeah. And, and mean more than just having someone who's good to party with. These are people who wanted their work, uh, not just to have passion, but we wanted purpose and mission. I call it PPM, you know, and, and vision together to, to steer the ship. And some of these people we met early did huge things. Like um, we would, we had 13 sectors involved in the building industry and we'd find the pioneer of each sector. So this one guy, Steve Ashkin, was in green cleaning. I didn't know anything about green cleaning. Mm -hmm. He was at the right company. And he became like the grandfather of green cleaning, inventing the rating system for green cleaning. Um, but I could tell you, you know, 50 stories like that. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show today. Uh, it's really fun listening to the, uh, the story of the evolution of the green movement. And David has clearly been in a pioneer in that space. And to hear his stories is, is refreshing. You know, for a story like this, this is a story about showing rather than telling. And so what we're seeing a lot lately that's coming up in different videos as we pay attention to what's going on online with video and content in this space is that people who are in the green movement are showing their type, types of buildings that are coming out, new types of insulation, new types of way to purify water, capture water, solar. There's a lot of these beautiful um, illustrations that are coming out in video format that tell the story better than someone just simply is talking to a camera. So if you have a story like that, if you have something you're involved in, your company, product, or service that uh, people need to hear about, that is making a change, is making a shift, video is a great way to show it rather than just tell it. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you, something that, that you know, if you're looking to amplify that part of your story and, and the big problems you can solve for the world, please reach out to us at feedstories.com. Let's get on the call and let's talk about how we can use video to amplify your story and your solution. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd. In, in terms of people, so it's a two-part question. In terms of people who are concerned about green, who are concerned about, which is, which is pretty much everyone to some degree now, what, what are the one or the two things that someone could do today to move the needle? What, what is an awareness? What is a, what is something that someone can start doing right now um, to just to help with the initiative, whether just a small needle move and maybe even something larger? Is there something bigger people can do? But where, where does someone like me who is not in this field, who, who is an observer and a learner say, I love this. This is important. How do I contribute? What can I do? What, what, do, we, what do you say to that question? Start with energy, your energy consumption footprint. Um, climate change, I think, is number one. Okay. So the, the house you're sitting in first, um, you know, is it energy efficient? Uh, sure. Do you have, you know, LEDs? Do LEDs change out your lighting? Do you have an old house with no insulation in the walls and crappy windows? Um, and you're in a, in the East Coast where you have to heat a lot in the winter and air condition in the summer. So that conditioned air just flies right out the walls of the windows. Ah. So uh, you can blow in cellulose insulation into the walls. You can double pane your windows. You can buy plastic at the hardware store and create a fake second pane, dual pane window. Um, you can do an air blower test to see where the leaks are and put, you know, caulking and foam and hire someone to do that and tighten up the envelope. You can, you know, put a, get a better water heater, a better furnace. You can get an electric heat pump if you're renovating. Um, 
you know, then you got to look at your car, get your electric vehicle. If California is going all electric, dump your, 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 uh, your fuel, your gasoline car. If you don't want to do that and you're afraid you'll, well, you'll run out of juice on the big trip, get a hybrid, but yeah. I'd go all EV. If you want to go a little further, you know, get, get solar on your house, uh, sign a PPA, a power purchase agreement. You don't have to pay the first cost, you know, just listen to this. You don't even have to do it. Just go get a firm to give you an estimate and tell them you don't want to pay the first cost. Uh, They'll take your monthly bill and figure it all out with the 17-year lease. And like my whole street, Tesla is showing up. And I was the first one, of course, on my street. But you know, like 10 of my neighbors have all put batteries in their garages and, yeah. and uh, the solar panels. So that, that And then if you run a company, do it in your company. And then, you know, start asking your vendors, are they green? Set a net zero goal. Just go on the damn journey, you know? Mm. Same question for your personal journey in in you becoming green and in health. What were some of the things, the habits that you changed in your life or added to that helped you feel better? I read something about you went to a yurt and for a time when you meditated, you got rid of caffeine. What were some of the big things that moved the needle for you personally in your going green journey? Yeah, do a personal assessment of yourself. Start with your your temple, your body, uh, you know, um, and your mind. You know, what is a green body and mind? You know, are your thoughts toxic? Do you have PTSD and trauma? Uh, you know, is your do you get triggered a lot and run hot like I did? You know, get some help. Get a therapist. Um, you know, uh, learn about yourself and, and and your family of origin and what sets you off so you can lower your volume. Do meditation. Um, I've always found athletics so helpful, not just for toning muscles, but, you know, walking the dog, going hiking, going backpacking, cycling, getting a Peloton. Um, There's the flexibility side, so important, the yoga, the stretching. And the biggest part of that is the breathing. Learn about breathing, which is Mm -hmm. linked to meditation. Um, But you can... I always think breathing and, and understanding that when you, your cortisol is high and you're, you're redlining, breathing is free therapy. You can slow yourself down. You can, um, you know, get your parasympathetic into play to calm you down. Um, I I track a lot with the Garmin. You know, my sleep. Get your good eight hours. Look at your deep sleep. Your your REM. Sleep is so important to everything, including mental acuity. You know, get the sugar out of your diet, you know, the, the carbs, the sugar. It, it's just me, moving you towards pre-diabetic. And um, I like to look at my resting pulse. So three to five times of exercise a week. But if my resting pulse is out of range, I'm getting sick or I'm stressed and I shouldn't push too hard. Heart rate variability is another important thing. And then the food, uh, we've talked a bit about the sugar, but the caffeine, the alcohol, it's not good stuff. With the Garmin, if I have a great IPA beer or two, which I love, man, I like a beer with some buddies. <laughs> yeah. I like to get in Cabo on the couch, drinking away. Yeah. But if I have even one beer, good IPA, I can see that night my stress measurement is in the orange and it doesn't drop to the blue for four hours it's a four hour penalty per drink wow and so that hits my heart rate variability and impacts the quality and i haven't had a a drink in about two months now and i'm in the blue every night and i just started drinking non-alcoholic beer just so i can have the taste, but I, I don't want to pay the four hour penalty. This is the same conversation we, uh, Brandon and I had with uh, Perry Marshall, who uh, he's got an aura ring 
And he noticed, yeah, on nights where he would have a cocktail, like at a round table meeting that it affected his sleep. Like, you know, the, the, the data feedback was really helpful. Not only just the feedback, oh, you don't feel as good in the morning. Now you know why, because you have elevated heart rate, right? Your breathing's increased. You don't get rest. Like that data, the tools we have for feedback is so powerful these days. Another part of green life that I had to learn, I didn't learn it at home growing up, is you learn this as a parent with kids, is how to repair. Uh. So relationships could be great, but to really be a great relationship, you need like a blowout and then a repair. (laughs) Wow. Create deeper trust. Okay. You know, everyone, you know, like you see your kids, they fall in love, they date like three months, they think they're getting married. Yeah. And then then they have a blowout and then it falls all apart and they haven't learned how to communicate disappointment and repair and just say this hurt and do ownerships, you know, and appreciations. And I think I learned to repair the most with, with our young, our kids, like if you piss off a six or seven year old kid, (laughs) they run upstairs and they slam the door, you know, and they start crying and kicking the floor and telling you they hate you. And what are you going to do? Like uh, you get, you got to go up and say, you know, I'm so sorry. Daddy loves you. Let me give you a hug. You know, I'm so, I said the wrong things, you know, you got to assure them that, that you've got their back. And, but we need to do this with friends and colleagues. You don't have to hug them and shit, but, um, you know. No, that's reserved for sales of companies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But repair, you know, and how often is our communication honest and straight and, and then we're not good sometimes if you say, dude, you know, you really pissed me off. That hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Guys don't like to do this. They don't like to say that hurt. And um, we don't want to show weakness. We think that vulnerability is weakness. That's what right. Renee Brown says. And yeah. But I think it's the dudes who, who have screwed up this world with our ego and our you know, we want to conquer everything. We want to be the biggest, the best, the smartest, the richest, have the biggest ecological footprint. It's never enough. You look at some of these billionaires and they they always got to get the bigger yacht, the bigger house, the bigger jet, the bigger company. You know, when is it enough, man? And all of that comes into increasing the hurting earth, hurting people, but what we're missing is is the E attached to the word human. Mm. If you attach the E, you go from human, which is to be weak and air and frail and cultivate nature to humanes. Yeah. And that's the journey I I hope I'm on. And, And I fail a lot, you know. My biggest project is myself and my male ego. And, and how to try to be more humble and um, not have to have to be the guy mentioned in the LA Times that my dad talked about. Can I be at a Greenbelt conference and just sit on a bench and watch the energy and the excitement and be more like a grandparent or a, a wise elder and just take it in and and that that's enough. It's not that I'm front and center and I'm still the keynote. And, um, you know, Arthur Brooks wrote this, this great book and he talks about um, the, the second curve, um, strength to strength. And the first kit curve, you're young, vibrant, your brain's fluid, you learn everything. The second curve, I don't know, it's 45, 55, 65, it's not all about your career and you and making money. It's more about mentoring, giving back, caring, teaching, listening, um, community, and letting those others you know, be out there. And there's a crystallized intelligence in the second curve, yeah. which is more yeah, like knowledge, wisdom, experience, 
and you can't remember the the physics you studied in in college and you can't even remember that person's first name you met 10, 10 seconds ago but you can talk about you know a good life and 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 seventh generations well it's interesting it's the second time this week i've heard that book quoted and and talk about that so um maybe that's the universe saying hey something to look into right dave this is a what a great conversation. I think it's clear that you've done a lot of work. You're certainly, you know, the, the resume is huge, but the humility is even bigger. Um, so we just want to congratulate you for the things you've done, honor you for, for the role you played in, in, in making green architecture, green construction, something that is at the forefront and you know your your courage now to step from being the guy in charge to be an employee i think that's going to be uh an interesting journey for you so i know you're not running a company now but is there a place where people can find out more about what you do or who you are uh how how best for them to connect with you sure uh the company i'm involved with is called blue planet systems if you want to see that it's way cool um i still have a website uh it's uh, regen360.net, so you can see a lot of stuff there. And then I had a, a iTunes podcast. I did about 75 podcasts, and that's Regen360, and you can find it at regen360.net. And that was fun because I interviewed a lot of gurus in both sides of health, from the physical side, whether it's the mind or the body, and also the uh, environmental side, some of the gurus. Uh, I, my last book, I've written three memoirs. Um, my last book's called Explosion Green. And this is a 20 year mem memoir on the story of the green building movement, but from a personal perspective. Uh, a lot of what you've heard is in here, but there's no footnotes. It's just storytelling yeah. um, and trying to inspire and have this deeper conversation with self and others. So you might enjoy that. Um, uh, awesome. Well, David, it. thank you for sharing that. We'll be sure to uh, uh, remind people of that and uh, regen360.net and Explosion Green. That's fantastic. Well, David, thanks for uh, honoring, us with your, uh, honoring, you, honoring us with your time today and uh, safe travels as you head up north to a, another rainy climate. <laughs> this afternoon <laughs> thanks guys thanks for having me in the show and your your deeper interest in in life and issues and conversation and building communities i appreciate it our pleasure thank thanks, you david. david awesome thank you for listening to the innovative founder with bob regnaris and brandon boyd a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.